Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to The Brian Diaries, where the Bold crew gets together to talk about subjects dealing with our favorite tabletop role-playing games outside of our actual plays. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where you'll find our Discord link. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Brian Diaries with our brand new segment, Brian Storming. In it, we will be flexing our creative muscles to put together stories, modules, adventure paths, and inspiration for different games, but with a twist which we'll get to in a little bit. I'm Becca, your host for Brian Storming, and Joaquin is my storyteller for today. So Quinn, can you explain your storytelling experience for us? Hello, folks. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you probably heard me run a, which is the very first thing I ever ran for anyone ever, I ran a Vampire Age Victorian setting for uh, Diluted, which was my first time. Wait, seriously, that was your very first... I don't think I realized that. No, no, no. If, if you had heard like the raw version, the first thing I said is, oh, I am so nervous right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, okay, cool. So yeah, I that was the first thing I, I don't I think, it, no, no, that wasn't the first thing I ran for this podcast, but it was the first campaign I ran for this podcast. And I think around that time and after that, I've run a whole bunch of different one shots, usually in Slasher Flick or some others offsettings we done for this podcast. And then most recently, I, we just finished a Scion campaign, second edition, on this podcast also. Very cool. So So it sounds like all of your experience with at least running has been with us as the Twin Cities crew. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. So, well, then let's talk about your, because for people who have been listening to us for a while, I like, I hope that they're listening to your games because they're just so much fun. But what got you into role-playing then? Well, Actually, I remember way years and years ago, I remember back in high school, we a little, it was like a, a nerd club, essentially. We would hang around and do different nerd stuff. And one for a couple of weeks, we broke out a D&D 3.5 edition. So we did that for a couple for a bit. And I remember just because there were so many people there, we didn't really do that much. And I remember I just had, I just had a taste of the role-playing stuff. and when I, But I liked the taste of it. So after that, I was just like, oh, I like this. But unfortunately, I, I was like in my last year of high school. So then I didn't really get much time to do with the people there. Then in college, I just did not have much luck finding anyone in my local area. I'm not. I don't, I don't know really where to look. So, so I, I probably I probably could have met somebody to role play with stuff there. But yeah. So then finally, I in my last year of college, I saw an ad for uh, Twin Cities by Night, and so I oh you know I haven't I Vampire of the Masquerade. I, I read the book once way back when. I'll try it. Let's see what let's go, let's let's see what happens. And then this podcast happened. Boom! We gotcha. There's no looking back now, sucker. Just when I think they out, I'm out, they pull me back in. Absolutely. Oh, wow. So, okay, first off, respect, 3.5, love it. But man, I'm just surprised. I figure with with how into it you get with your characters and stuff, I'd just be like, oh, clearly he's playing in his own groups like at least twice a week. So, but it, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I, I always like just imagining stuff. Like even when I was younger, I just always liked to, look, I remember I like I would like watch cartoons and stuff like X-Men or uh, Teen Titans. I would just watch stuff and be like, okay, so let's, well, what would happen if this happened? And just plot on my own episodes and stuff. I would just do it in my head, like during recess and stuff. I would just be like, 
Okay, so what happens then? Oh, I don't know. That, that's really, I don't like how that looks. Uh, let's try that again. Uh, it's that, maybe this happens and stuff. So yeah, just making up stuff in my head is always just a thing I've done. That's really, really awesome. And like, I know with some, like other people that I've had these conversations with, it's, it's like we all kind of do similar things, but we all like different things catch our interests. So that's really cool. All right. Make me okay. blush. Oh, oh. Hopefully in a good way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I can't see Quinn right now. So it's like, dang it, I missed out on the blush. <laughs> Tried to save those sorts of things for Monster Heart. <laughs> well, I, 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 I half dread tr- trying to listen to that stuff just because from the conversations I've seen off screen, I don't know what will go on on screen. I'm, I'm a little bit scared of it, honestly. <laughs> you know, I, I think we talk a big talk. For sure. And at the time of recording this, Monster Hearts is going to come out next week. So uh, at least for session zero. And it was a it was a different experience from what I was expecting. So I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, nice. So for this round of Brian Storm and everyone, each storyteller participating was given the same story prompt to work from to create their own story. But the twist is they've had to do it with different systems. Now, I just want to put a disclaimer. Storytellers, everybody's had had time to think about it. So we're not just hashing out a story from scratch in an hour, but definitely I noticed the difference between your notes and Tillman's notes. And like, not that I'm, gosh, I feel like the way that I set that up, I was trying to be like, oh yeah, one's better than the other. (laughs) And I'm not trying to say that at all. I was just like, oh, you just These did different are, approaches. Yeah, very different approaches. So I think as we get into it, everyone's going to see that and they're going to like, hopefully you all find it as cool as I do because I think it's really awesome. So quick reminder, here's the prompt. A local organization is accused of instigating arguments among people, seemingly natural disasters, and even wars. Now, Quinn is writing a story for Scion. So let's just get right into it. For anyone who doesn't know, Scion 2nd Edition is a role-playing game that's all focused, it's very urban fantasy in that we want that the player characters are either the children or the, the, the chosen champions or even made by the gods to do their bidding, like the pagan god, the, you know, the Greek god, the Egyptian gods, Native American, you know, Japanese, all of them are real and they never went into hiding, unlike some other like settings you might have seen, like a Vampire the Masquerade or even Scion One Edition. It's in this in this in this version, they never went into hiding. They've just always been throughout human history, been like, yeah, we're here, we do stuff, deal with it. That's I mean, it's awesome because it just allows you to think of how the world would be different with that. Whereas it sounds like with first edition, trying to have that veil of they're there, but people don't know about that. Like, that's fine. And you but can definitely, definitely do good of it. Like, like, yeah, like the Percy Jackson books, for example, yeah. they do a pretty good example of that. But I just, I just love that it's so open in this version. Just, it, it just appeals to my inner mythology nerd. To just be like, yeah, that, that's all just real. It's just we're doing something different now. It's just all out in the open. Which, yeah, that's that to me is just really cool. And yeah, it really what drew me into like just this, uh, this. Uh, set this uh, system to begin with, honestly. It's just, I just love the whole concept behind it. And I definitely, like, you know, we, we got a little bit into some of the crazy, how crazy you can get in our own podcast. And I hope to see in the future what more we can get up to. 
So, so real quick, I know this, this is going to be off topic, but what's your preference for Pantheon then? Ooh, I'm just, I'm curious more than anything else. Well, I guess in terms of familiarity, I'd have to say the, just the Greeks, just because I've, I've read the most about them. I know the most about them. You know, they're people, it, it's easy to like, you get people drawn into them too, just video. You, you people know who Zeus is, who uh, you know, Aphrodite is. It's very, it's very common knowledge for most people at this point. But I definitely would say like, I think it'd be like interesting just to like sort of bring in like something more obscure, say so like something well at least for more Western artists, say like the Japanese uh, pantheon, or say if I had more research into this, maybe something like a Native, Amer- Native American one, because yeah, they're definitely like, it's definitely a, a system that the more research you do into stuff, the more you get out of it too. Not saying you have to, you know, have a doctorate in, you know, anthrop- anthropology to run a game, but it it it, can, it might make some for nice little touches to it. And one of the other aspects that I think is just really interesting about Scion, especially set up in this way, is it sounds like all the pantheons, like they they both contradict each other, but don't at the same time. Like they all just exist. Exactly. On yes, and the plane of existence. Yeah, it's like you know, in the book, in the books themselves, they mentioned. Yeah, it makes no sense logically, but that's how it works. Like you know, the Earth is at the same time at the roots of Yggdrasil, the giant tree, and on the back of a giant turtle being held up by four elephants, and a, and a, and a big round ball of dirt in the solar system. It's all true at the exact same time. It just depending on who you ask can show you it. Wow. That, okay, so that's a little bit mind blowing. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it, metaphysics is fun. So we now know a little bit about Scion, second edition. It's a little bit different than first edition. Now, um, is there anything else about the setting that you wanted to mention? I will say that just at the time of this recording, that only two, there are currently two books. Because one thing to keep in mind is that there are tiers of gameplay to Scion. And that there's like a player can be either like a normal human, can be a like a champion of the gods, become a demigod, and then finally a god themselves. Now, at the time of this recording, only the only the origins and hero level books are available for public release. Their demigod is available for pre-order, and I think for like pick Kickstarter backers to see the manuscripts for it. But the highest level god level has not been released yet to the public, so. Uh, so for this thing, we're not really going to talk about the highest God level stuff. So I'm going to focus mostly on like the ones that are more publicly available. Dang. Okay. So I wasn't even aware that there was going to be a God level. It makes sense. Yes, exactly. Like the whole, basically the whole progression system of science is that you start out as a normal human. Then you basically find out about your divine either heritage or become a champion of like a God. And then you progress to like becoming a God in your own right. If you want to go that far. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. So now that we know a little bit about the setting for Scion, you're sitting around the digital table with us and you want to run a new game of Scion. That's that's not the Scion that we currently have ongoing slash intermission yes. right now. Pitch it to me. All right. So I would definitely say for this one, this the game is going to be set in Germany. I'll probably do a little bit more research to like, you know, what city or something. I'll just say Berlin for now. And that you notice, and that the players are specifically happy to, they can be pick any like pantheon they want to be from or be a part of, except for the Acer, which is the Norse gods, with its Thor, Odin, Loki, all those guys. 
And so once the game starts rolling, they are basically told that, yeah, you know, stuff's going down. Like, you know, there's unrest, like the supernatural creatures, trolls, Norse elves, all that sort of stuff. There's more unrest now. And then they start realizing that, you know, the sun is literally starting to, sun and the moon actually are starting to be eclipsed at the same time. Like when the sun comes up, it's, you can see like an edge is starting to become missing. And what they'll find out you know, either like I would say, that either by the end of the first session or like the second session, would be that Ragnarok is happening, but it's not like quick. You know, maybe like a day long battle between the gods that just wrecks everything. It's slowed down. It's going to take months, maybe even years, for it to you know finally end. Oh, and that's wow. what I pitched them. It's just you guys are currently the outsiders to the final showdown of the Acer gods, the big Ragnarok, and it's going down. And you're going to have to deal with it for months. Yeah, I mean, who knows how long. Exactly, yes. So I I am a little bit familiar with Ragnarok in in the terms of it's the end of days within Norse mythology. There we go, I know how to speak. But... At, at the end of Ragnarok, what's supposed to be the the outcome of it? So it so the problem with it's, it's somewhat vague mythologically because in real life we only have like two big sources of Norse mythology, so there's a lot of gaps in what we know. So what, from, I could be wrong though, if anyone wants to correct me. So I believe what we know in real life is that you know, like most of the gods will end up being killing each other and like you're know, fighting their enemies going down together and stuff. But there will be survivors at the end who then sort of come together and make whatever's left of and make a new world out of whatever's left. Okay. And so it could be uh, those that do survive can be on both sides of the conflict. Yes. It's, it's really just basically just says, yeah, here's a couple of people who, sur- who survive for sure. And news and news, you know, some pe- some people survive, and we're gonna go from there. Okay, so that's that's talking about Ragnarok in the the mythological sense. So, but in terms of your game, what are the sides with that? So yeah, one thing especially to keep in mind is that well, Ragnarok is happening in say like Scandinavia and like bits of like northern Germany and stuff, which historically were like you know where a lot of Vikings and other like Norse era like influences were reached is that yeah that's going out for them but for the rest of the world say like in, in the americas or in india it, the world's not ending for them it's only ending for the people in like the north you know northern europe gotcha which you know totally i i think fits what you were saying earlier about how metaphysically they all exist on the same plane at the same time and it that's just how it works so like to uh, have it, it yeah, I kind of got the idea actually from the God of War games, actually. So spoilers for anyone who hasn't played the decades old, decade old games at this point. But so in the game, Kratos, the main protagonist, he essentially kills the entire Greek pantheon, which has a side effect of basically just causing the end of the end of the world. You know, like you do. Like and you do. But then they just reveal in the most recent game that, yeah, the world didn't world in total did not end that they show that the kratos the guy he went over to you know just over to like the norse god pantheon like yeah the world's there fine but now it's gonna end for them too so i just lo- i really love the idea that yeah the apocalypse can happen but it'll only happen for one section like that's the greek world might end but the norse world well has not ended yet or in this case the norse you know, for the for the part for like the for the game it would be the norse world is ending but all the rest are still going on 
Interesting. And I think that'll, that'll add an interesting layer of dynamics as exactly, but we'll, we'll yes. get into it a little bit later. So yeah. So for the, who, the, who will be the side in this game, I would definitely say that it's, 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 it's definitely be a complicated conflict because uh, they're like, they're, they're the Acer, the Norse gods who want to, you know, survive in Ragnarok and do whatever they can to make sure that, you know, not every, not all of them die. Then you have the Titans, the guys who are really trying, you know, like, who basically said, yeah, you know, this is what happened. We're going to end, we're going to kill you, you're going to kill us. That's how this ends. And then you have the people outside of it going, okay, you keep your mess to your mess. We don't want you, you know, messing up our stuff. So basically like all the pantheons outside of them basically saying, yeah, that's going down. So the conflict I feel would definitely be like, you know, do do the other do the people outsiders do they want to help? Do they want to just stay out of it? Do they want to keep things as prophesized? Do they want to break the prophecies? So, you know, what is what you know? There are all so many different factions that di- want different things out of this thing. Absolutely. And well, so and- the so since the, I want I was definitely say the players they cannot be part of the Acer and that they're technically outsiders to the conflict. But since I would say, like, you know, I'll make sure to have one thing say that, you know, for some reason or another, they stay in Germany. They want to live there. That's their home. So I would really love the, uh, just this, like, it was like literally like just this conflict between like the multiculturalism versus, you know, the tradition stuff. Like, you know, this is the traditional Ragnarok, you know, Norse stuff that's only supposed to be dealt with by these guys. But there's all the rest of the people going on, too. Right. And it definitely opens up that the, the questions of like, well, how do all these different people interact with each other? So I really, really like that question that this campaign would pose. Yes. And I would definitely want to like, it de- now it depends how how the game progress would depend on what level of gameplay you players will want to be in. So let's say they started with the origin tier, which is the lowest tier in the Scion uh, second edition system. It basically means you are a human, normal, well, not really, you're an exceptional human being. And you may or may not have divine parentage or something, but you have not been officially recognized as such. And so let's say if I wanted to run a game at that level, or even just start the, a game at that level, then I would definitely want to draw attention to how the conflict is affecting the the mortals and stuff. You know, there's, you know, like the sun and the moon are starting to be slowly, because literally how Ragnarok starts is that the sun and the moon are eaten by wolves. And so that's why the sun and moon are currently starting to be eclipsed, is that they're literally within the uh, Norse territory, I guess, is that they're slowly being eaten by just... Wolves that are both literal wolves and metaph—it's you know—it's metaphysical stuff. It's whatever, and so I want to focus for the origin stuff. Is just you know how what does that do into the people, this day-to-day lives? Like you know, there's going to be people wanting to you know leave the countries. Many people are going want to come in and you know get on the action because there's going. I would say there's definitely like like there's like constant like raids and fights like that break out between like the titan forces which would be like you know frost giants giant serpents all kinds of stuff you know un you know some kinds of uh, undead like from the draugr so like from skyrim okay. and just have all that like be just almost just that sort of have like you know just just sort of really introduce the setting of the gra- at the ground level of how this is going how this is affecting the world and then I would have the players start saying, okay, so how can we handle them? What can we affect? Can we, you know, 
maybe started like a neighborhood patrol, neighborhood watch to patrol the streets and I had to make sure, you know, no, that nobody's house is, you know, torn down by a frost giant or, you know, if someone does, you know, how to help them relocate to someplace safe or something or help refugees from say like, you know, Norway wanted to leave, wanted to go all the way down to Italy or something. It just really dive into, I almost, I guess like really dive into like the, uh, almost like a war war torn, like a country-ish setting. Okay. Okay. So in, in the origin level and probably to degree the hero level too would you have a predetermined outcome this is how Ragnarok's going to end yeah now that's that is a hard question I definitely would be something that I think I would talk to my players about beforehand and that and get a feel on what they would like and so if I definitely would say that if I was given the go ahead to like, yeah, do have some predeter- have predetermined stuff happen, I would have it mostly be as sort of like landmarks in the campaign. So let's say you they the campaign starts out, they like you know they meet Thor and stuff, they stuff progresses, and then eventually they they hit like you know they see in the distance like Thor fighting this giant serpent, and then you, they see from the distance like that both of them just take each other out, and then from then on that's like that's like the marker for like the next section of the campaign is that you know the closer you get to Ragnarok the more and more the Acer will just start dying gotcha so so having it literally just be the backdrop because that's not where that level origin level is happening like just just caring about the the little people like you've been saying and the themes that go on with that and how people individually would feel so much smaller scale Yes, and, and camera focus. And I would say, for, if you want it, like for the higher tiers, I would. And I, I'll, I'll talk about them when we get to them. So yeah, for like low tiers, I would say yeah, mostly for low tiers, you can't really do that much to begin with. You might be able to like save, save a people on there, but you can't really affect how like the profit side ends are supposed to be at that level. Now for hero, I would say that's where we start getting more interesting because, and here's where I would say. If the players want to have a little bit of effect on how things progress, I would say, yeah, we could talk about that. Um, because here's, so here's how I would do it. So for those who don't know, he, he, the hero level of Scion is when a, actually, because basically in Scion, there are three, three ways to be considered a Scion. You can either be like Hercules, which is literally be the, the child of a parent. You can be like Shazam. Where you have a, ch- you're basically chosen by God, and like as long as you follow, like you know, you follow their ideals, then you g- they give you power. Or you could be like Pinocchio, which case a God literally just said, "Oh, you know, here's some clay, here's some, here's some tree, bam, you're a person now. He- he- here's some of my power. Go out and do stuff." Wow. Okay, I wasn't aware of that aspect. That's really cool. Yeah, and so for the, for the hero tier, I would definitely say you're much more involved in that. You can actually and. Depending upon you, know, you can like be like a, on a like a beginning level hero. You could like you know fight off a few you know zombies here and there, and maybe make sure they'll keep a bit you know put out a fire in a building. And at the higher end of it would be like you know you you take on a squad of like a small squad of you know frost giants or something. You actually have an have an impact on how things go, not on the big scale, but you could definitely make you could definitely see like you're doing some making some changes here and there. And there, I would definitely start to really dive into how the scions of the Acer would be handling this too, because because the thing about Ragnarok is not everyone is mentioned that, that what happens to them. And so I would definitely dive into like, okay, so maybe some, like maybe say like a child of Thor, I would say maybe he has heard a prophecy about how he dies in Ragnarok. 
Now, I would say, now let's say, let's say that the child of Thor, he's supposed to, you know, die in a in a one-on-one combat with his arch enemy, or whatever. And then, but how the player, and that, this is how I will get things interesting, is that I would say if the players want to deliberately, like you know, counteract fate, I could, I would say that they could save him. But now the now the Thor son, he is freaking out because now he has no idea what has going to happen to him. So he knew previously that he was supposed to die at this point, but now he's past that point, and now he doesn't know what to do. He's, you know, it's because once you, it's like you know, being told yeah, it's like being told you're gonna die at one point, then you just live past that. Yeah, suddenly, what you know could totally be wrong. Maybe everyone will die. Maybe no one will die. You don't know what can happen. And I would say that for like the Acer. Since they know the prophecies of who's supposed to die when, they have a sort of weird safety net almost. In that, yeah, as long as things go along prophecy levels, we do know what's going to happen. And so we can plan for it. But if things start going off before we can gotcha. plan for it, we don't, then all our plans are just going to be for nothing. We don't know what's going to happen then. Right, right. So it, it can show just that. Unlove that level of uncertainty and oh yeah because i can totally see a child of thor or whoever just freaking out and being like well now everybody's gonna die and you know whereas before maybe when they it imparted that information to the player group is more maybe just like oh i don't obviously like i care about my parent i don't want them to die and you know what happens to scion heroes when their parents die do they lose their divinity? that is something that's not really like, covered in the book so that is, really that is something i should definitely explore in the game itself because i don't know I, Ooh, that, I didn't think of that thank yeah, you for that i know right i'm just sitting here thinking like maybe and you could totally play it as maybe one of Thor's children would then just step up into Thor's place. Like if you wanted to do kind of a more Ragnarok as reincarnation, it's mm. a cycle, if that makes sense. Like that's a way to go. But I mean, there, there's a lot of a lot of things to think about when you're talking about an end yeah, of the world exactly. kind of game. And yeah, so I would definitely say that another thing to think about for, for the hero level was that there might be a certain points where certain scions of the Acer are trying, they are deliberately trying to break, they want to break the cycle of, re, of the uh, prophecy. So they will try to you know, act out. Maybe like they'll try to say, oh, you know, if we kill Thor before he can, you know, do this, maybe maybe we can uh, break it. Maybe things will change. They'll try to, you know, escape their own fate however, however way they can. And so maybe another, another thing, possibility could be like the players literally have to fight to keep Randorok on its path or else there will be far worse, far more, collateral damage gotcha okay yeah that's that's another cool angle to take with it too i now i i do have another question yes. we're talking about it, it might just be because of my upbringing and understanding of mythology i feel like one side's a good side and one side's a bad side but is that actually true within the setting and what people believe no <sighs> That is a that is a, even within, within the setting they are sort of like the gods gods and uh, the gods are like are sort of split into two main groups. There are the gods and there are the titans. The gods, for the most part, are basically like you know we, we want people around because either because we like them because they keep, they help keep us who we are or just you know we you know, I made them don't want them to die. And the, the titans they're much more of a mixed bag in that it's for some of them they're like. Like Apep, the, the serpent from Egyptian mythology, he, he just wants to eat the planet essentially, and so every night Ra has to fight him off and stuff. That's the simple. You know, he's the bad guy. 
Other ones that are a bit more complex in that, like say the frost giants in Norse mythology. If you actually do some research, there are, it's a lot more less, here's the good idea of the bag. It's more like, here's one side who kills each other. Here's another side who kills each other. They just fight amongst themselves, marry each other. It's it's a lot more enmeshed, intertwined. And so it's more of like, yeah, here's a, here's a guy I don't like, I'm going to kill him. Here's a guy I don't like, I'm going to kill him. And so it's not so much that the bad guys, it's just more they don't like the Acer. Gotcha. Okay, so it's I, I think that's an important thing to note because when, when thinking of a game, it's real easy to sometimes just put things into black and white. And so in my brain, I'm as I'm thinking about this campaign, I'm like, well, clearly the players are going to be on Thor and Odin and uh, I keep thinking wrong name uh but those gods those god sides versus the titans but it sounds like they could also be on the titans side in this potentially yes and and would say for the most part most players would want to be on the god side and the game itself they generally sort of lean towards they're on the god sides but there are certain factions that would say that yeah they're not really like i know like in the books themselves they mentioned like how for like some african pantheons they said like yeah we don't really think that's not really a thing it's just you don't like the people so you just call them all the guys gonna kill everyone that they win (laughs) oh convenient isn't it how if only you're the good guys and they're totally the bad guys oh i see gotcha okay okay cool i like i like that they address it within the game books as well because it is it's just weird and it's what you make of it at the same time exactly yes and so I'm going to talk, I'm going to touch upon demigod tier. So from what I read of it, it's, I, I was thinking about it like this, like, cause so for demigods, they're literally on a, it's like, a, it's like, like they're the cocoon a caterpillar becomes before they become a butterfly. The whole, whole thing of demigod is that they start out as a, they started, they were a human to start with, they, you know, they had, you know, magic you know, you know, magic spear, magic helmet. They had, you know, powers and stuff. They were still mostly human. But once they reach demigod, they start becoming less human and more divine. And so at the end of it, they become, they fully become a god or some kind of immortal at the end of it. And so it's a very transitionary stage where they're like, okay, so we did stuff as humans, but now where are we going to go in the future as gods? And I would definitely, if you know, if I did run a game and we made it to the demigod tier, I would definitely make the game much more about asking the players, you know, what do you want the outcome to be in this conflict? You know, do you want to keep the people safe at the expense of the Acer? Do you want to keep the keep the Acer pantheon around at the, at the cost of the people, maybe? Do you want to just let them all kill each other and just build what and make something new out of whatever's left? It's much more of... Because with demigod, you have to worry about collateral to you. You have to think about the consequences to your actions much more. Yeah, because I imagine it's much more wide scale. Yes, exactly. Like I remember, like I remember, I thought of it. I was reading the book, and I remember, like a, like a like a hero level sign would have to worry about you know destroying a neighborhood when they got into a really big fight. A demigod might have to worry about destroying a city block or maybe half the city if they get into a really big fight. Yeah. Well, and then and then the flip side. So not only the collateral damage that they can do, and because you're talking about the idea of, hey, do we keep do we keep the Acer intact at the expense of the people? And you know, like if you go from origins up to that point, I can see someone being, well, yeah, we should focus on the people. But then you know what happens when you piss off the people in the pantheon, right? Exactly. So, like these people, those who manage to live through it will have long memories 
and exactly. the political ramifications. Yeah, the, exactly the political ramifications. I'm like, oh, that could be interesting. And I and I at this time I have I have not seen any like official writings about what God Latia will be like. So I'm just going to speculate here. But I, I will say like. That if the play, say in the campaign, we started at origin, made it to hero and then demigod. I would almost say that Ragnarok ends right as they become gods. Really? I, I would talk about, I, yeah, I would talk to my players about this and whether or not they want to have the have be gods in the climax of, of Ragnarok or they want to do it afterwards. But I almost feel like because now because now there is a gap, there is a hole where a whole bunch of gods used to be, and now you hear some new gods. What do you do? Whatever the aftermath is like, whatever the whatever the uh, casualty list is like at the end, what happens next? Okay, so my first thought with that is if you go that route, the the players are from pa- a pantheon that's outside the Acer. So yes, but here's the thing though: is that with demigod, you could you could have a choice. You could either become part of your parents' pantheon or forge your own brand new one. Oh, okay. And then one, because these players live in this area, so they have ties to the land and the people, it could make sense for them to be subsumed into that pantheon. Oh, yes. okay. Oh, cool. So there's, and, and like I said, I don't, I really don't know what the rules are will be pertaining to that, like say for the actual official game system, but I would definitely be interested in just sort of tinkering around exploring. So what do we have? What do we do with this? What, what, what comes next? Yeah, I mean, and it also sounds like it's something that you could you can run this idea and have the end of the campaign be okay. Now all your players are now gods. Now we're gonna set up a new campaign and you know go from there and see how. I like that idea because you you can affect the the world in which you want to play in a lot just by being willing to do stuff like that, and it can yeah. be very different from what everyone else chooses to play. I like it. I've always, I've always really like when a, like a, with something that will really, okay, so the underworld happens, what comes next? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to drink some tea. I mean, because one of the things that I struggle, I really like the exalted setting, which is a different version of playing demigods. <laughs> but, <laughs> much more kung fu. Yeah, much, much more kung fu and anime, as, as well as other stuff for sure. But those are huge influences. But the world has kind of been frozen, at least for the last, for edition three and edition two. The world's been frozen five years after the Scarlet Empress disappears. And, you know, the, the idea is that, like, yeah, you can totally do all these sorts of different things. But, like, it, I personally have a problem with a world that doesn't change. So it's cool that like here, hey, here's what you can do with Scion. And it doesn't have to stay the same. Like you could just kill off a whole swath of gods and now you have new gods, but now you have to like move forward with that. And oh, it just, it allows for interesting possibilities and players to really get involved, uh, emotionally invested in these worlds and gods that they're creating. Yes, and I, I definitely see like, you know, if like say if you want, if you run a, run a game like this with your group and then like, I don't know, say like three years later, you pick up, like you could pick up the same setting, but with a whole new group or whatever. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. Is there any more that you want to say about that before I start asking you some other questions more specifically about the scenario? Um, I, I can't do anything right now. I've reached the end of my bones I want to talk about. So no you- worries. <laughs> I mean, because it's, it's the approach that you have taken is very, very open-ended with this. And 
you know, at the end of the day, we have to, as storytellers, think about the people that we're going to be running the game for. And, you know, if you run a game for the girls and Tillman, because you got to have four <laughs> players, it's going to be a different game than you running for Mitch, Slavic, and Craig. And But there's nothing wrong with that. So, so on the one hand, it's really hard to ask these ask specific questions to kind of get you to narrow down because you're like, you just don't know who the players are outside of they can't be, they can't be from North mythology. Yes. I do feel that's part of the, part of the half the problem with trying to write scenarios for role-playing games is that as a story, as a storyteller, we're only half the story. We can come up with the settings and the character and stuff, but we, we have, I think some people have struggled with this is that the players are the other half. They are the ones who will help you, to decide what story this is, where is the story going to go? Absolutely. And earlier you had mentioned, oh yeah, I would want to ask the players, you know, hey, what kind of game do you want to run? And I think that's, or you want to play in, I should say. And I think that's a fantastic thing that like when I approach my games, I forget I have all these really creative people that I can ask them, hey, what's interesting to you? And, you know, they can come up with whatever ideas and I'll be like, yoink, I'm stealing that. That's one less (laughs) thing I have to think about. Exactly. So yeah, learning to mine your own players for ideas. And yeah, it always baffles me when playing certain games, when players go, oh, you're not, you know, don't say that you'll give the GM ideas. And it's like, "Mm," but that's half the fun is giving them ideas and seeing how they interpret it so they can, you know, screw over your characters, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that's what makes it interesting. So yes, I so far, like, again, very different approach and I like it. I like it a lot. So it sounds like this kind of, this would be a campaign. It's not necessarily something that you would do a short version of. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely say that you could possibly run like a short version and say like, you know, have them like, you know, be be involved in like a battle or something during Ragnarok. I would say you could you could definitely run like, you have like snapshots. Like say you know during this stage this you know this happens with this group or whatever and during this stage of the Ragnarok this group this did, did, did this or whatever so I definitely think you could have you can run you can pick one one shots but I just I personally prefer I just love planning out the campaigns like that it's more fun for me oh yeah oh absolutely and when I looked over your notes the first thing that really caught my eye and I was like oh this is really cool is that you did it for multiple tiers of gameplay. Awesome. But I want to throw this idea out to you. What if the players from the beginning of the scenario, or maybe even before Ragnarok happens, they start at origin, but then at the end of the game, they end up at that demigod or god level. When Ragnarok starts. When Ragnarok ends. So so the idea is that origin, they'd be in origin. Maybe they find out, oh, hey, Ragnarok's like literally around the corner. Yeah. And then by the end of the campaign, they're at demigod or god level. I, would that even work in Scion? Or is that too quick of a progression? Hmm. I definitely think it's possible because how progression works in Scion, it's really just how, what do you, really, what, what have you done as a player, as a character? So how progression works is that is its stats are legend in Scion. And so when you have you know, a, a hero starts out with one dot legend, a, a god starts out with, um, I think, nine. And so at each, at each you, you get one more dot of legend if you do a short-term deed, a long-term deed, and a banned deed. So 
that's what this, this is where the player involvement comes very much. You have to really talk to your players about this stuff is that, you know, a short-term D could be like, you know, what do your players do in a session? A long-term D would be like, you know, what do your character, what do your characters do over like, you know, a, you know three sessions or you know, what, what do you want to get done by session five or whatever? A band D would be like, you know, what have you, what has your whole group done to sort of, you know, you know, do like do this or like what has the whole group accomplished in like the for like a like a campaign, and so depending upon how you structure that, you could potentially you know sort of blitz through up to um, you know you know demigod tier pretty quickly. Like I said, it really depends on how the how the group wants to play it. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I want I'm going to tear back the or pull back the curtain a little bit. Um, okay. Are those kinds of conversations that you had with our Scion boys in between each session? For them, I, I, haven't really, I haven't really talked. I, we, I talked a little bit about, tried to engage them a couple times here and there, but I have, I've mostly kept back from that because, especially for the, for the campaign we did most recently, it, it was mostly a kind of an introduction campaign, I guess, to the whole. Gotcha. Prior to that point, I had run like two one shots with those guys. So they, they to get actually to sort of get familiar with the with just the rules themselves. And so then we started. I know I did character creation sessions with them to sort of really get an idea. Okay, so here's here's the characters, and I tried to sort of set set give them some seeds of what I had planned for the campaign. And I I do have in my head. I will get, probably ask them and the books themselves. Like if you read the demigod book, they will actually say, "Yeah, talk to your players about you know what kind of direction do they want to take their characters in." Because it's if you if you if you work together, you can make a it's you can make a very like epic like, like I guess almost like a legend of literally how this one. It's almost it's like you're making your own myths together. Absolutely, yeah. And so. Okay, okay. And so, yeah, I remember at the beginning, I, I talked to them a little bit and I definitely will say that I think I would run, I have idea for like the, the one I have for the next campaign, I do want to run for them. I have some ideas and I have, it's mostly linear, but I think after that, I would definitely be to be much more open to say, okay, so what do you guys really want to, fo- what do you want to explore? What do you want to, you know, touch upon and this stuff? Because I have an idea for a story I I want to run for them, but then I want to say, okay, so what, how do your characters sort of, because the thing that I think Cyan really works best with, if you do this approach, is that if you think about, is that the campaign as all well is a story about these characters becoming legends in their own right. And if you, if you work with them, you could start, okay, so, hey, you remember like how you fought that dude way back then? You know, maybe you, you, you can like bring back reminders. You can bring out echoes. You can like foreshadow stuff if you plan ahead with them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of the big things about like, like say, I know since for, for our own group, two of the guys picked aces for the Acer for their uh, parentage. One of the things you do when you make a uh, Acer character is that they receive a vision of their future and they're, and they're encouraged like, you know, make it sort of open-ended to see what exactly is going to happen. So, uh, so, so this is a bit of a, I don't know if this is a spoiler or just background or some extra info or something. So for, for the, for our, for our podcast group, so Jesse Slavic's character he picked for his for the, like what he knew in the future is that at some point he's going to lose a hand. Now we left it open and just what exactly will happen, but at some point he's going to lose that hand. Now that means he he he, he wants to set up the uh, he wants to set up the scenario where he will lose it. He can do that, or I can I can plan for okay. So 
here's a scenario might happen, might happen, might happen. And so I, I give them opportunities to sort of, okay, so is this going to be it? Is this going to be it? Is how you, how you just sort of keep, not keep, keep bringing that prophecy up and sort of just like to sort of like explore how his character sort of, you know, does he want to embrace, just get it over with? Does he want to, you know, keep that destiny away from him? Does he want to, if he does lose his hand, how does he deal with it afterwards? And especially, and when right. you like mythologically speaking, you know, that's that can be a huge thing is that, you know, there's all kinds of legends, you know, and then, you know, Odin tore out his own eye for knowledge and stuff. You can, it can really like help color in, I guess, like these, the myths you're sort of building with your players. Absolutely. And like, they're, they're definitely fun story elements that you can add into the game that doesn't necessarily, like it can put focus into the game or it could just be something that's, there that's cool i like that and there and there are and for and finding one more uh math and for more dice rolly there are like dice uh consequences to those roles of so say like it's harder for you to avoid a scenario where you know this would happen or say you 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 need to grab like you know the the sacrifice your arm to, to stop the bad guy you will get bonus dice for that oh cool yeah 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 Element. So there's all kinds of ba- like mechanical benefits to dealing with prophecy and stuff in Scion. Okay. So gosh, there's it just feels like there's so much to think about with Scion. <laughs> it, it can feel that way. So that's why it definitely it helps to sort of like get an idea of what direction you want to go down first, and then start. Okay, so this. Okay, we're going down this road. Okay, so let's what what can we add to this road? But we can speculate here and there. Because if you try to just go at it, let's, you know, from the, just throw all the stuff in, you're going to get lost. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds like it can be really overwhelming. And uh, the way that you're approaching it, it, it makes me actually think a lot of how Powered by the Apocalypse does their games, where it's very, you know, it might not necessarily be a during play, part of play to be asking those questions, but just that mindset of, okay, I want my players to have as much agency as possible. So, hey, what do you think about doing this? Or what do you guys want the game to be? It's, I think that's the fun thing about playing different different systems is just seeing, okay, this is how this system does. Now I'm going to yeah, incorporate it's, it's, that. It's very fun to just see what kind of mindsets the games encourage. Oh, yeah. Okay, so before we wrap up, I, I wanted to see if there was any any particular characters, um, NPCs that you would like to see included in this game of Ragnarok, regardless of power level. Okay, so I would definitely want to at least at some point bring in like like have a like maybe like a family of refugees or something. Just bring up the fact that yeah. There are no mortal people being cut up in all this, you know, divine uh, shenanigans and stuff. And so I would, I want, at any level, I would definitely want to bring home the fact that, yeah, this is, a, this is affecting this whole, you know, region of people. And there, and there's so many different ways to approach it. Some people are living in their homes. Some people are wanting to stay home, you know, you know, and, you know cheer on and fight for their gods and stuff. And just sort of, I guess, really just drive home the, I really just show off how the, this world is different, I would guess, then. Just, just make it feel lived in. Make it feel alive. 
Yeah. Have the, have the players have these connections that are beyond, beyond what their interests are in playing the game or even like, cause it's one thing to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to care about what Odin thinks because I want him to live. I want him to be on my side versus, Hey, this is what ordinary people think who they have nothing to offer you, but they still you know, they're still there. They they care. Like it, it gives it that level of, like you said, realism that makes the world feel lived in. And especially too, is like, you know, if you're becoming a, like a hero or demigod, you know, if the people all die, what are you the demigod? Who are you, who are you supposed to be the god of? Who are you supposed to be protecting then? Are you just going to be of the trees? There's no one here. They might, they might work for the Japanese, but it's not, you're not them. <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah, that's awesome. And there's a lot of really good things to be thinking about in, in terms of morality. Yeah, so I, definitely, different, different, I, want, I, I want to explore the mortal aspect of it, of the whole thing. And I guess, like I said, I'm definitely maybe a, a child of Thor or something, but somebody who knows what, how, their, how their fate is supposed to be determined in Ragnarok. And then it comes and then it goes without it happening. And I just really would like to see you know, how just either they freak out, they you know they want to they they felt like they were supposed to die back then, and just how they handle knowing that something they were they have been told is unbreakable is broken. And then on the flip side, you could I also I think I could also like do a character who wants to desperately avoid their fate and do everything, and then oh they just like you know or the, you know just how does it actually come? How does it catch up with them? Just sort of like two, two sides of the same coin. You know, there's the consequences of you know of meeting your fate, and the consequences of actually breaking your fate. Just just the, the play, the interplay between those two ideas. Absolutely, and all of those things are things you can explore within within the game setting. It'd be as far as what you are talking about. It'd be interesting to see how you introduce that with an origin game, if you even approach it at all. But yeah. um, I definitely see that happening in the hero and the demigod level. I get to say maybe like for origin, maybe like a like a like a city is supposed to be destroyed by this guy and or something. I would maybe make it make it more larger scale, but it's not so much about one person. It's just more about an area or like a group of people or something. Gotcha. And then yeah, how how would the players even be integral in working through something like that? Because. Gosh, I mean, they could try to evacuate evacuate everyone, or they could try to figure out how to make sure that that event didn't happen. But that could be really hard at an origin level, just because they don't have the same kind of power set. Exactly. So nice. I like it. It's a lot to think about. That's a, that's what I'm here to do. Make you think. Hey, but that's that is what I've been hoping with the brainstorming is that. We're just taking these ideas and seeing what can we sprout from one idea. And, you know, we have two two very different game setups already just from this idea. And I'm really excited to see what I know Slavic's mentioned. He's he's wanting to do one with me and Craig's wanting to do one with me. And I might be able to be lucky and get Adam to join in on that, too. And I'm just like, I'm super excited to see what they come up with. All right. So First off, thank you so much, Quinn, for joining me with the brainstorming. Uh, sorry, Brian Storming. I really, really appreciated your your thoughts and the process that you brought to the table with this. I think it's really cool. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me on here. <laughs> You're welcome. I know. I know it's so hard to get into contact with me. <laughs> 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 
It's not like we, it's not like every other Sunday we see each other. <laughs> I don't know. Details, details, right? And a big thank you to everybody who's taken some time to listen to this. Hopefully it's given you some ideas of your own, whether or not you want to run a Scion game involved in Ragnarok, or you want to take the ideas and apply it to whatever kind of game that you want to play or run. Hopefully there's some good ideas and nuggets in this for you guys. Until next time, we'll see you then. Why don't you take a look through our growing catalogue of one-shot scenarios to find out about Chronicles of Darkness, Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu, 13th Age, Eclipse Phase, Rogue Trader, Slasher Flick and probably even more.